Welcome to Marrow Masters Season 9, sponsored by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and Sanofi. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and families cope with the psychosocial challenges of bone marrow and stem cell transplant, from diagnosis through survivorship. Season 9 of our show focuses on what I wish I knew before transplant. Here's your host, Executive Director of the NBMT Link, Peggy Burkhardt. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have Becky Dame with us. Becky is a former transplant nurse and information specialist at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Information Resource Center and a bone marrow transplant survivor. Wow. Becky wears many hats here and is going to bring a very unique perspective as she shares lots of information from both a professional and a personal level. Hello, Becky. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here today with you guys. Great. Let's jump right in and talk about your story, your transplant, your diagnosis. Fill us in on the basics. Okay. Well, I'll make it short because that's 30 years of worth of information. But originally, as a brand new college student, two weeks into my college, I was diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia. And that would be uh, September of 1991. And at that time in September of 91, the only treatment and cure for chronic myeloid leukemia at that time was to have a bone marrow transplant. And so thankfully, being the baby of seven, I did have a perfect match sister and went on to have my very first bone marrow transplant in January of 92, which should be successful. I would go on after that, feeling very blessed and decided that I felt called to be a nurse, uh, changing my major. Originally, I was a music major and changed my major to nursing and went into nursing school at that point. Oh, that's terrific. Fast forward three years and I was on my three-year reevaluation for my leukemia and unfortunately, my leukemia relapsed. I was in my last semester of nursing school. I had been dating my current husband for a year and a half at that time. So things kind of got turned upside down on their head. But in that same time period, my nurses and instructors and professors worked with me and I was able to complete nursing school. And I literally graduated and got married on the very same day, six months after my relapse. Wow. And still in 1995, transplant was the only treatment option for my type of leukemia. We would go on to do experimental things, give more cells from the donor, create graft-versus-host disease on purpose, and it actually worked for me. So I went back into remission, but this would continue to be my cycle for the next 18 years. I would relapse, have a DLI treatment or whatever the newest therapy was, get back into remission and then relapse. And so that was my cycle for 18 years. And in 2010, the medical decision was made for me to have a second transplant with a different donor. And I would have a second successful mud transplant in September of 2010, which would break the cycle. And I have no longer had any further relapses of my disease but I have had plenty of graft-versus-host disease. During that time, after nursing school graduation, I did become a nurse, got my uh, license, and began working at the Moffitt Cancer Center 
in Tampa, Florida, in all forms of transplant nursing, eventually getting to be a transplant nurse coordinator before needing to leave for medical reasons in 2016. At that point, thankfully, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society had an educator position open, an information specialist position. And so I was still able to reach out to those patients who were in need for transplant questions and their caregivers with questions. And so that's how I joined the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society back in 2017. And that would bring us to today, what I am still doing. Well, this is quite the story, Becky. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Wow, you have been through a lot. And it's just incredible to me to think how you defied all the odds and you just kept, what is that saying? Keep on keeping on. And I'm just so happy that it all worked out for you. Let's jump in about a caller getting to talk to you. I'm thinking they probably feel like they hit the jackpot. They get to talk to someone who not only has a nursing background, is an educator, and has had a transplant. I bet you make all kinds of new friends when you're at work. I hope so. I mean, every caller comes in at a different point, of course, in their journey, whether that's newly diagnosed or now moving on to a more intensive treatment like transplant, or even being 10, 15 years down post-transplant, because as we know, transplant um, is not a one-and-done issue, and you do it, and you can forget about it tomorrow. So, of course, those patients call, you know, at those different moments of time where the need is, and I am, I feel thankful and blessed that I can meet them where they're at. I've been able to speak with those patients who have had relapse post-transplant, which is just never a good thing to have to discuss, but it is unfortunately something that happens, and so I'm, I'm thankful that I can give them a ray of hope um, in those regards. And sometimes it's just hard to find another person who's walked this type of walk. Sure. Um, there's a lot of nurses who had different kind of cancers, but to have the one that you had and the treatment that you had that's so intense, I'm just, I feel grateful when I can give them any little pearls that will help them during that time. But that also goes to the caregivers as well. The caregiver is so, such an important aspect in the transplant realm, all cancer realms, but really for transplant, they are the eyes and ears and they are really the person who remembers all the important things related to getting the patient through that, you know, very intensive time. And so, you know, a lot of times we get to speak to the caregivers and give them pearls of wisdom and we have caregiver booklets and things that we've specifically put together for caregivers who are taking care of these patients. And so they have hope hearing that there's resources out there. There's people out there. We actually have um, on our website, it's called our patient community. And it's actually where patients and caregivers can join specific groups groups of their liking, like there, we have a stem cell transplant group, we have an AML group, we have a caregivers group. They can join these groups and literally be able to reach out to other patients and caregivers who've walked in their shoes and they can relate and they give back little tidbits of help. What helped you during this time? Well, I had this kind of GBH. Well, what did, you know, this helped me, da, 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 da. For me to be able to take them to those resources and say, here, I know you can only talk to so many people, but this is a group that's going to relate. And so it's wonderful. I hope they, they walk away with some hope and some resources and some encouragement. Oh, I'm sure they will. And they do. What are some of the most common 
questions that you will get from callers? Unfortunately, probably the most common that we get here in the IRC is, how am I going to come up with a caregiver? Okay. Because it is a, an intensive time um, that requires somebody to be with you. This is just not a procedure that you can go through without having that backup person there. And so a lot of times they don't realize what possible resources they have. And, and to know this is the time where you do reach out to those family members and friends who said, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. This is the time. This is what they need. Now is the time. Yep. Now is the time for their friends and family to take vacation times and rally around them because without this, most likely their journey will be short. This is not a treatment that the doctors just willy-nilly decide they need to do. This is really a life-saving treatment. And sometimes without the caregiver and they, their inability to have the transplant, they may not have another option. No, this is so true. We also hear this, uh, the importance of the caregiver and even a team of caregivers to help the primary caregiver. So I'm glad we're talking about this. Becky, let's jump around a little bit here. Most recently, I've noticed a lot of people are asking us more and more about going back to work and just the angst that they're feeling about whether they're working or not working or can they work part time. And a lot of times people, that's the insurance part of it. How hard was it for you? Sounds like you've always kind of worked. Was work your saving grace? How do you address the work issue? You know, initially I was not working my first transplant, but as we went along, of course I was. I think definitely for the initial transplant period, regardless of really the job, the patient should plan to take a year off. And so that may mean taking that long-term disability if that's available through their job maybe a matter of seeking out social security disability, which does not have to be forever. I, I have been on social security disability before when there was no option for me to work. There have been periods in this uh, saga that I mentioned that I could not work. You know, we had two, two year periods of time that it was just not feasible for me to go back to work. So you have to realize that this is so intensive that you may have to take those breaks. And then it does look different for everyone as far as what their role is. So for me, I was a nurse, so I could not, on immunosuppression therapy, walk back into a hospital setting every single day. That's like setting yourself up for every infection known to man. Sure. So for as a nurse, it wasn't an option. You know, if you did something on the computer that you could do remote once you've done your initial recovery, those are certain things that could be done before a year. But I think really for the average patient, they should give themselves at least a year off. And then you never know as far as how much or how little GVHD you may have that may be longer. You just have to, you know, take it step by step, not get too, too anxious, but have some resources available if they're there for you to rely on. And again, speak to your physician. It may be a matter of looking into a different type of occupation setting that you can go into. And if you are in that need, there is the Social Security Disability. If you did go on that, they do have programs to help re-educate to get you into a different line of occupation if you really have that difficulty of what you were doing just doesn't fit into an immune-compromised patient's life. Well, that makes sense for sure. So, Becky, this whole season is on survivorship and what I wish I knew. Do you have any tips for 
future of transplant patients, things you learned along the way? I do, actually. And it seems like a silly tip, but I have used it myself for admissions and readmissions that I've had over the past. It is helpful, if at all possible, to wear a button-up top, whether that's pajama top or a regular top that you have. It helps you to not be stuck to your PJ top, (laughs) being that you have IV lines hooking up to you that typically have to run either upside that shirt or downside that shirt, where if you have a button-up top, that's one less control issue that's given back to you. So it seems silly, but a button-up top for any time you're admitted to the hospital or going to need IV infusions, if you can wear a button-up top, you'll save yourself some control issues. This is exactly what we're looking for. So thank you for that. I think everybody should remember that, even when they go to a doctor's appointment, right? Yeah. Much easier to deal with it all. All right. So moving on, what is life like today? So I have a fantastic life. Um, I honestly feel blessed in every regard. Uh, People say, well, would you change it? You know, and I wouldn't. Um, I'm a believer. I feel like everything that happens in our life is for a reason. I feel blessed that I've been called into this line of work where I can speak to patients, give back to patients, but also give back to my colleagues because it is a, unfortunately, program that we don't always have successes. And it's always nice to be able to look over and see that success story and that person who gives both the patients and the practitioners hope. And so I'm so, so grateful and thankful for where I am today. Am I normal? No. Don't, and please don't ask my husband that. (laughs) You know, I still have graft-versus-host disease. That's something I work on every single day. Um, Last year, I was in the hospital for a week with graft-versus-host disease in my lungs. But if you're prepared mentally to know that you never know what's ahead, but you'll deal with them as they come and get through it the best that you can and that you've got a great medical team behind you, I just uh, kudos to all the transplant patients because they do have a life of uncertainty And that we're never the same um, as we were before, but doesn't mean we can't be better. Well said. And your resilience and your strength, it's reminding me of an interview we did a few months ago about when you were talking about relapse, kicking the can just to be able to get to the next treatment. And Becky, I just thank goodness you were able to keep kicking that can and there was something new always on the horizon. And I think that lends itself to the importance of clinical trials, of having hope, having resilience, having faith, whatever that looks like. And I just, I really applaud you for having such a great attitude. You've been through so much and your optimism just shines through. Well, thank you very much, Peggy. And I would also like to thank the National Bone Marrow Transplant League for this opportunity to share ideas today and give these tips to caregivers and survivors. Well, thank you so much and and all the best to you. Thank you. This has been the Marrow Masters Podcast. If you know someone who would benefit from the information in our show, please share this episode with them. And don't miss future episodes of our show. Follow Marrow Masters on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now. And to connect with the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, visit nbmtlink.org or follow the link in our show notes.